Just a friendly reminder that the opinions expressed on this show are not worth a Canadian penny, so disregard anything you hear that might get anyone in trouble. And despite some of the great ideas you may hear, don't try them at home. Go to friend's house instead. Slamfire Radio, episode 290 for February 8th, 2019. I'm one of your hosts, Kelly Lynn. And I'm Adriel Michaud. Okay. And uh, obviously, Matthew and Trevor aren't here. And it's just because they didn't care. <laughs> strong, <laughs> strong hate for the listeners and lack of empathy and caring and sympathy, too. Uh, sure. I don't know why they're not here. We have no idea, but that's what we're saying. They just don't care. Mm. Probably something to do with flying things. I don't know. Flying and old swords. Uh, yeah. Probably trying to find a sword, whether it's a true, I don't know. Fake old swords. Fake old, old Roman swords. swords. Yep. All right. Why don't we get into what we did in guns? What we did in guns is... This week is brought to you by the Calgary Shooting Center, Canada's premier firearm retailer. Did you know that they're getting in Dylan reloading products soon? Just wanted to let everybody know that. But did you know, Adriel? I know now. Yeah. So uh, just stay tuned. They'll be getting that stuff in. Then you can reload for your precision rifle series. No. That you're going to be shooting. No, not with not with a progressive. You got to like uh, hand craft every single one. They've they've got to be like some sort of old, uh, some like wood and old <laughs> iron and calipers, and that's okay. how you make it, right? Right. Yeah. No. Individual. Yeah, you're right. Shouldn't be uh, handcrafted with hand, love, handcrafted with love or Ooh. hate. You could, it has to be crafted with an emotion, love or right. hate. You could put a kiss on each one of them. I don't know about that emotion. <laughs> Is that an emotion? I guess yeah. lust, <laughs> lust. We're gonna just move on from there because I don't want to talk about Thank you. lust with our get us, get us out of here. All right, Adriel, why don't you tell us what you did in guns this week? All right. I shot a pistol match. Um, and I did the, the you know, whenever you're going to go shoot a match, the, the correct thing to do is uh, take out a pistol with a bunch of new parts in it that you haven't tried and just go straight into a match. That's perfect. Yeah. That'd work for you. It did. It did. It worked <laughs> well. Yeah. <laughs> I was a little bit dodgy because it's like, uh, I didn't adjust anything. Hopefully it doesn't double. Hopefully I don't get like the, you know, the double tap uh, trigger or anything like that. Cause I, I put a bunch of trigger mods into this shadow mm-hmm. and, uh, and took it out and uh, yeah, it ran fine. So yeah, yeah, right. I would say so. Uh, I did pretty well. I, I had like a, I didn't say, I wouldn't say I shot spectacularly. And my, my first two stages were pretty cold, pretty rusty. Uh, but my stages after were stage three and four were pretty good. Mm-hmm. And uh, how'd you finish? I finished Second in production Congrats. and third overall. Nice. It's a bit. They, we had more people out there than we usually have. There was like thirty-five people out shooting, and uh, like in terms of overall, like Jeff Chang was out there. Yeah, he's gonna beat me every time. I, 
I don't care. <laughs> That's fine. But and if then, he's out there, he's going to push you to do better as well. Do yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, um, there was a, a guy named Dimitri out there. He's a, an excellent production shooter as well. And uh, and yeah, I was uh, I was behind those guys. So pretty pretty pleased with that. Um, I would say I had a real consistent match. I, I, I didn't uh, I didn't like burn anything down. Uh, but I had a, a real consistent match where I had one stoppage. I had uh, not these base plates. I had some other base plates that uh, that came with this magwell. And yep. without the magwell on there, they're a little bit tight. Um, not they didn't seat quite right. Yeah. And uh, I got my first shot off, and then my second one, I needed to do the old tap rack. Yeah. And uh, and I was back back up and running. So. Awesome. Uh, anyways, really fun match. Uh, someone was like, "Hey, I saw your video on your trigger mods. Your video, your ten second video. Uh, are you gonna do? <laughs> are you gonna do one with all the like the the full video?" And I was like, "Yeah, you're right. I know. I just I wanted to get like a, just show the comparison, but I guess that wasn't enough. So I did a, a full video showing um, all the trigger mods that I put in this. Um, I ended up doing it three times, doing the whole video three times." Cause the first one I wasn't super happy about. And then the second one I wasn't super happy about cause the color was like looking like crap and it wasn't like in focus half the time. So I did a third version and that was good. So awesome. I stopped there. Uh, let's see okay. here. Uh, my 10 to MRE pack came in. Yeah. Let's see. Oh, a bunch of these. Like I got a package. Okay. I things. know people. We can get you that for free. This stuff for free. The well, MREs, this so I, I've had the Canadian ones before. Right. These ones come with heaters. Okay. Heaters are in there. So here's my thinking: uh, complete meal. What is in there? It's American MREs uh, for that are American. Food. Are no bueno. It's no bueno. Food, you need the Canadian version. Nutrition ish, kind ish. of. Yeah, it'll fill you up, and you'll have a big poop. <laughs> <laughs> So not gun related, but I'm gonna Thanks use this for, for uh, I'm gonna use this for match days because on match days, typically most shooters uh, go to Tim Hortons in the morning, get themselves a large double double or extra large yeah. double double, uh, get themselves a breakfast sandwich, and then get themselves another breakfast sandwich for lunch, and then they have their you know coffee and sandwich in the morning, and then right. they have a cold nasty sandwich for lunch. Well, why and, you just get a ham and cheese. I don't know. Then you, <laughs> I guess you could. I guess you could have a ham and cheese. This is, anyways. That's my that's my alternative. I want a hot meal. I want to see you eat that. Heaters in it. There's heaters. Chemical heater pack. Okay, but what is it? This one is chicken noodle stew with vegetables. Yeah. Okay. But keep in mind, like I'm not a picky eater. I I I, I eat like all sorts of garbage, and uh, and that's cool. Yeah, you've been you've been to China, so you'll eat things like crickets and and other places too. I've yeah. been to worse places. Uh, okay. Let's see here. That came in. I also got like uh, some replacement filament uh, fiber optics. I want for like the tasters pack. So this one's got like yellow and green and a couple red. I'll probably only use the red, but I don't know. Interesting to have some uh, some alternatives. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. I've been working on getting. Uh, I'm working on an article. Uh, for long range 22. And the only reason why I'm working on the articles, I couldn't find a great one that talked about like your rail and MOA that you need at various distances. Yep. Uh, so I'm, re- I'm working on that right now. So you're uh, writing an article specifically on it where you can find longer rails, right? Yeah, well, and, and uh, how much rail and you base need. you need 
Um, and typical, what you get from for scopes and that kind of thing, okay. uh, like how much uh, MOA adjustment and what it even means. Like if a, if a scope has 80 MOA adjustment, does that mean you can shoot out to 400? And the answer is no, nope. because that's up and down. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So you actually so, need a rail in there rail. to, 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 to get, take advantage of that. So have you been researching places in Canada where you can get these as well? Or are you not yet right now? I'm doing base research on like uh, average, like drop for on a 22 um, distances, um, average MOA uh, adjustability for like a low end scope, a medium end scope and a high end scope. So I've got right. all that stuff. Then I added in rails in there and how much rail you can use with how much scope, because the absolute cheapest scopes you can buy, if you got a, like a, a 30 or 40 MOA rail, you would not be on, like you wouldn't be, be able to get it on no. target at close range. No. Cause it's too much. Right. Uh, but I will, I will okay. get there. Yeah. yeah. I think there's not a lot of places. Delask is one that maybe. You know, one thing that I found interesting was the, uh, the Burris signature Z rings can give you quite a bit of adjustment. Mm-hmm. Um, their one inch scope rings will do 20, 40 MOA. Cause you can do 20 on the top and 20 on the bottom of the front and, uh, their 30 mil will do 10, but if you place the rings a little bit closer together, you can get 27 out of them. So 27 MOA out of that guy. The scope <laughs> itself will do uh, 80 total. So 40 up, 40 down, pop it 27 down. And I should be able to get pretty close to the, or pretty far with this thing. Yeah, you should actually. Yeah. I was thinking about uh, like, should I add a rail to it as well? And I don't think I should because 27 MOA, I got 40 max. That gives me 13. I think that's, you know, close enough. Okay. Yeah. You're going to be shooting a C, uh, C, um, CRPS. I can't, yeah. I don't know why I keep wanting yeah. to say it backwards. Yeah. I'll CRPS. be shooting a, a CRPS match. And really like, yeah. uh, uh, a buddy of mine, uh, just, just like we're, we're both doing the same thing and he got a whole schwack of like 22 targets. Okay. Uh, so we're going to like, yes, we're going to shoot the match, but I've watched enough of these videos. I can do one of these and I've got the land. Like uh, I've got my parents, uh, acreage that has yeah. enough space. Oh, practice. We could put on like basically a full match, just the two of us. And, uh, it's not even that hard. Yeah. We just put those targets at a variety of distances, grab ourselves a ladder or a wheelbarrow or whatever yep. random like farm object we want if to shoot you go off on. Then... Yeah. If you go on the, uh, CRPS, uh, Facebook page. There's some mm-hmm. uh, in the file section. There's some barricade um, things that uh, plans that you can build as well. Totally. Things yeah. you can get yeah. one of those little tight cars. That's that's a big one. That's or the tactical vehicle that car. you have to practice on. Grab or a car. A car. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's all burned off of an old in the farm field. car. Like yeah, just sitting out in the field there, or a tractor. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Got to practice off the tractor. Uh, and then uh, <laughs> I wrote an article on uh, uh, so. This is like a specific response. I I have seen this argument a couple of times on a couple of different articles where people comment in saying that oh well all like yep. it's a, it's an absolute statement. Handguns are only designed to kill, and all right. of them. That's the only thing they're designed for. And I kind of took take exception at that because it's like a it's an absolute comment. People would use it as like a mic drop moment. They'd be like, all handguns are only designed to kill. Boom, mic drop. 
There yeah. you go. They're all of these things. That's the only thing they're good for is, uh, is murdering everyone. And uh, boy, like not only like talk about so many defective products. Cause none of yeah. mine have done that. Um, I was just going to say, I don't know. I haven't murdered anybody lately. Have you? Mm, not that I can okay, remember. Not that I can remember. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the part. That's the piece that your, your lawyer tell you need to say. Not that yes. you remember. Yeah. <laughs> I refuse uh, to talk about this in case yeah. it might incriminate me. All right. Let's, yeah. let's not talk about it then. Uh, so anyways, uh, the, the um, that's the reason why I wrote it was, I think it's a really bad argument. I wanted an article that just countered this one specific bad argument. I was not writing an article that was general purpose on why we should even have handguns in Canada. I was writing something that was uh, combating one lazy argument. And a lot of people commented on my article saying that uh, they thought that uh, I should have talked about this or that or the other thing. But really, they were t- they were they were expecting a general purpose article, whereas I was like, no. really... I wanted to be able to do a reverse mic drop on the people who said all handguns are all designed for for murder. Well, mic drop. Here's my article. Check out this uh, competition handgun. Check out this this uh, Olympics handgun. Is this designed to kill? No, it's this. This is an Olympics handgun. It's designed for the Olympics. Purely, that is the thing that's designed. Yeah, you can use it to kill someone. You can use a meat cleaver to kill someone too. Doesn't mean it's that's the only thing it's designed for, right? Right. Some people still don't get that. I've I've got a couple of people commenting on that article that are. Uh, I think it was uh, great. I think you you know we should you posted it on our Facebook page. Yeah, should, yeah. Should read it, to show, it, to show, share it on share their own page. Yeah, again, it's not a general purpose article. This is not. Uh, it is not the article that talks about in use. It's not yeah. talking about. It's purely on the design argument only, and it yeah. isn't. It isn't even like some handguns. It's all handguns it's only designed to argue against that point because if you if you were to say um you know a glock 17 is 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 designed to kill it's like well uh mostly well, yeah. yeah yeah i'm it's, gonna say it's a military handgun got, yeah it's you got your shadow over here and you got your glock 17 which is more like never mind yeah well i mean even the shadow <laughs> the shadow is a, a cz 75 which yeah. is a military handgun but this is not True. a military handgun no. this is a competition handgun it's heavy right. as crap this is not like a fantastic uh murder weapon right and therefore like the designed only for uh, this one doesn't really fit into it uh whereas the other ones yeah yeah arguably yeah i mean just like a right. a, a hardwood bow is yep that's its original purpose or yeah. a samurai sword mm-hmm. yeah designed to kill or, it's not what we use it for anymore. No. No. Or the Oak and Island sword. No. The Oak Island. <laughs> that is that is designed just to kill, um, but also no, to collect. Are fool people? I, mm. Mm, sorry. Yes, cause intrigue. I think it's it's original, isn't it? Hey, it's did you it. hear there was in Hamilton areas there was this week there was a guy that was shot with an arrow and he died. I, did yeah they did and they, there's did, they find, did they find the guy yet no not yet it was Killing a drive it was a drive-by him. arrowing hmm. i don't know they're still investigating yeah. we were just talking about arrows you know shiny uh, well um I, I was i was mentioning in the article like well yeah my my bow will will do 20 meters easy and someone was saying well a handgun's easier than a bow i disagree i think i like 
man-sized target compound bow versus handgun, I would say that most beginner users cannot hit that target with a handgun at 40 meters, nope. a man-sized one. But they Absolutely could do they could do so with a compound bow with less instruction, I would say. Mm. Well, it's Anyways, that's nice. I don't know. Yeah, that's my perspective. Anyways, okay. what about you? I did a few things. I just want to let everybody know about the CCFR calendar. I talk about it every week, but it is my baby, so I want to talk about it. Uh, it is almost sold out. There's only a couple left in the CCFR online store. Literally only a couple left. And also there's a next, another draw next week. So order it now if you haven't gotten one so you can take part in the draw that's next week. Uh, we have all kinds of different things. We have fire. Order now. Supplies guns. are limited. And poor Adriel. Yes. Uh, supplies are running out. Poor Adriel. You didn't win last week. They made a mistake last week. I know. They picked the wrong number. <laughs> Maybe mine. Maybe you will. <laughs> I don't know. But soon I, mean, I noticed I noticed how many people were in there. I still have a chance. I, I got a good chance. I'm going to win something else. There's only about half the people that have calendars that have registered them. I don't mm-hmm. know why people aren't mm-hmm. registering them. Like they don't know. There's some really, really good prizes. Great sponsors, mm-hmm. by the way. Mm. Mm-hmm. Thank you, everybody, for stepping up. Some of them are listeners of the show. <laughs> I also wanted to or sorry, not wanted to talk about, well, okay, maybe wanted to talk about SFRC. I did get a chance to go and see them. It was super cold here last weekend. It was that whole polar vortex thing again, but I got a chance to go and see Marcy and Ryan at SFRC. I wanted to thank them as well, because right now they're the sponsor of the month for the Maple Seed Challenge targets. So that's my segue into go to Maple Seed, download the target for this week or this month and go and shoot it. And then you'll run a, win a prize pack for from SFRC. So uh, what else happened? Oh, I met up with Tracy, uh, Tracy Wilson. And uh, we went and there was actually a couple of other field officers as well. We went attended a town hall meeting that was in Port Hope. Uh, it was a conservative candidate, uh, Grant Dingwall. He was having a um, meeting with firearms owners that are in the community of Port Hope. And he just wanted to, uh, to chat about some of the things that have been happening recently with C-71 as well as with Bill Blair's um, uh, handgun ban going out to the communities. He wanted to talk about that, get his constituents or not really, he's not elected yet. Um, they're holding the uh, conservative candidate elections for, in March, but he just mm-hmm. wanted to get uh, basically the people in Port Hope's views on those subjects. So he asked Tracy to come out and speak at it and uh, I decided to go and drive the couple hours that it took to get there, and it was great. Got to meet a whole bunch of different people. Um, got some new CCFR members out of it. I handed out High Capacity Magazine, which, by the way, is awesome. You'll notice that there's uh, some quotes from people that uh, are podcasters. In you handed group. out High Capacity Magazines at a yes, public event? the magazine, not the actual magazines, but... Yeah, it's very confusing. I know it, it. It is kind of confusing. It's an awesome magazine, by the way. I also now have my subscription to it as well. And if you go on right now and go to highcapacitymagazine.ca, I think it's CA, and you pay, it's like 20 bucks right now. It's half price. You'll also get a free T-shirt out of it, too. So hopefully that's coming to me soon. I just re-upped my CCFR membership and I got I opted for the for the magazine as well. Awesome. That's great. What else? Oh, 
did you, we were kind of talking about it before we started, but did you know that Project Maple Seed was featured on the CCFR's Canada Downrange this week? I did. Yeah, awesome. So everybody check out, it's on Wild TV. If you don't have, if you don't have cable, which I don't, you can go to my, what is it? myhuntingfix.com I think it is and you can download um, the uh, CCFR's Canada Downrange and you can check out all of the episodes so far there's been three or four? Three and mm-hmm. uh, this week's episode is called uh, The Making of a Marksman uh, uh, and it was, uh, they filmed the episode while uh, one of our uh, instructors was out out west at the Mission BC range. So you'll see Rick Kettebeck on there, who's uh, one of our director's instructors. And you'll see some other people who maybe are you're familiar with. Uh, there's, um, I don't know, who else? There's some listeners on there that I know. So mm-hmm. check it out. It's awesome. I didn't get shooting because it was so cold, but I did get out to SFRC and I attended some town hall meetings and things like that. So it's been like minus 20, minus 20. No, not minus 20, minus 25, minus uh, to minus 30 here the whole time. Yeah. I got out shooting. Okay. I'm not used to it. I'm like, it was no, it was indoors. There's <laughs> <laughs> no way I'm, I'm going outside in my, well, I might go this weekend and it's still minus 25, minus 28. Minus 25 with wind chills. It was like minus 40 here. So we're not used to that. We're used electric to electric clothes. Chemical heater packs, just get that whole thing going. Yeah. I, okay. Or just how about sit inside and keep warm until, you know, spring comes. Dry fire. Yeah, we can dry fire. Mm. Which will help with IPSC, which will help with Maple Seed, which will help with PRS. We're going to talk about that in the main mm. topic as well. Okay. Upcoming events. Do you want to talk about 3Gun? Uh, I've added a whole pile of, uh, I've, I've just continued to add them on. There's some that I'm, uh, I need to edit this week. I think there's, uh, there's a couple events that I'm just waiting on like updated schedules for. Like, keep in mind, if, if there's a tentative schedule out there, I add it <laughs> because that's, uh, better than nothing. And, uh, so there's a couple of tentative schedules that I think are getting rejigged. So I'll be, uh, I'll be changing those around. Um, I know that, uh, Prairie Fire was, um, I think it was it was up in the air. It just wasn't confirmed. Now it's confirmed, so that that one's uh, for sure confirmed now. Is that and, at Saskatoon uh, as well? Say again. Is that going to be at Saskatoon again? Yes. Yeah. Prairie oh, Fire. Okay. Prairie Fire is it's a Saskatchewan. Yeah. 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 It's always going to be there. Whereas um, there's a a two day match that's going to happen. I think the BC one's going to be in Lone Butte this year. Okay. Um, and then in Alberta, we're going to have a whole smorgasbord of two-day matches. <laughs> um, yeah, lots of them. Perfect. Awesome. Yep. For those of you who are waiting anxiously for Maple Seed events, we are in negotiations with some ranges across the country. Uh, we're trying to fill out uh, Western Canada first, as well as Eastern Canada, and then we'll build the rest of the events around that. So stay tuned. We'll be releasing some of the events soon. It's awesome. I'm so excited about it. You guys should do a release event so that it's like, nope, sorry. You have to wait for the release event. <laughs> <laughs> we don't tell anyone about our schedule until the release event. Okay. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, PR around it. Huh? Huh? Yeah. No? Does it mean we get free guns and ammo? Uh, it means that 
you don't have to put out the schedule and you can just tell people that they're to wait until the date whenever they ask. No, then no. I would, I would like to sell out events. It's easier to do it if we let people you know. Guys sell them all out. Uh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Why don't we talk about news? Mm. What is this? Uh, what is this you put in here? The three gun nation has a VR game. They're putting out. No. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I don't know why you would play this. <laughs> I like okay so I'm a, I, I love playing video games but usually it's like okay I'm gonna play video games and it's gonna be World War one or World War two with battlefield or it's going to be uh, war Thunder I'm gonna be driving some tanks around or something like that why why would I play a VR game that simulates shooting a match when I can just shoot a match yeah but it, what if you can't shoot a match because there's nothing around and it's like, like play the video game where I'm like honest. 40 you know, degrees shooting Nazis in, in Germany or something like that. That sounds way better than uh, uh, shooting a, a metal plate on a VR game. Okay. That's my thoughts anyways, but it's cool that it's out. Maybe some people use it as like training or something like I that. I think you'd that's be all over that, like a dirty shirt. Fat kid on his Marty. Nah, I want my video games <laughs> like fantasy and immersive and not reality. Okay. Right. Yeah. All right. I did put this in. I know we've been talking about it quite a bit. It's the Canadian doctors uh, group that have are hoping for a gun ban. So basically the gun blog put out an article on this new group that is on Facebook. Uh, they've actually just been invited as well to speak before the handgun, uh, the Senate on the hand. Is it Senate? No. Between. I don't know. They've been invited to talk to parliament about uh, banning handguns. And uh, what do you think about that? Um, are that? What makes them qualified to talk about that? Well, they're emergency room doctors. That makes them qualified, doesn't it? I don't know. I mean, I've, I've crashed a car. Does that make me an expert in uh, car manufacturing? Car law? <laughs> well, kind of. You drove it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't think they're... Um, they're witnesses of violence, right? Yeah, they are. Um, now, I mean, if if there is a doctor who has treated uh, hundreds of gunshot wounds just themselves, I think uh, I think they would know something about terminal ballistics. I think I think they would know something there. Um, but then, why would they be banning handguns? Because handguns are far less lethal uh, compared with rifles or shotguns. That's true. Um, or like apparently one of, one of the studies arrows. that I was say, say again, I said, or apparently arrows. I'm yeah. Arrows too. Um, <laughs> I, I was, um, I was doing a, a, a bit of research and I found one study that said that, uh, rifles and shotguns when hit in the torso or head, uh, are three times more, uh, Definitely. lethal than yeah. a handgun. Yeah. So why are they banning hang? Like what's, is this uh well, it, it's not on lethal, like lethality is something that they would be experts in. If right. they're one of these emergency room doctors who's had to treat hundreds of, and I don't think there are any no, of them exists they, in Canada. Um, haven't, they haven't had to treat hundreds and thousands. Of so they don't have any statistical significance on it. And they're asking to ban the thing that is least likely to cause a lethal wound doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. I can, you know what? I can empathize with the fact that they're treating people who have been shot with guns. Correct? Nobody, nobody wants to see that, but they have. But no, they're do- like they the, no like the wrong, wrong, uh, wrong line of work to get into. 
right. if, if you don't want to see people hurt or dying, I mean, the, 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 that's, Become, what, uh, that's what doctors do. Drywaller? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. We know teacher or something. I mean, there, well, there's lots, that's of, pretty, lots of jobs that's that are. Too. It's horrible too. Yeah. You get yeah. your own, you get your own uh, taste of uh, taste. Maybe that's a poor word, but uh, of uh, feces and excrement in, uh, <laughs> in kindergarten compared to being a doctor. You get it too, but uh, probably worse than kindergarten, right? Doctors don't have to deal with that. It's the nurse. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're just, uh, they, sh- yeah, they're, so I can't, I can't really empathize with like the, the treating of it because, um, they knew uh, what they were getting into. And that's that their, their job is to handle people who are having emergencies. Right. So I, I would assume that, uh, they may see something quite often, uh, that isn't actually like a, a frequent occurrence in society. I would say like handgun murders are, are, are a good example of that. Um, we have about a uh, hundred handgun murders a, a year ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not a lot when you consider that there are a million restricted firearms owners. So I guess like if you're in a job where you're just exposed to these, geez, I mean, as a doctor, how many of these would you even see a year? Uh, less not than five. Less yeah. than five is, is you what you would see. You'd Maybe see more, more wounds. You, I was going to say you could see more people who have effects of drunk driving, right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but it, I, I mean, like drunk, like uh, driving is a uh, is an acceptable uh, thing in our society that everyone needs to. Well, not everyone. Most people what? need to do drinking and driving. No, um, there's there's no. no no real excuse for that. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's a it's an Let's odd thing alcohol. to crusade on, and I think that uh, I think that when you see a group like that crusading on something like that, I don't think it because it doesn't pass like a sniff test of like why they would be doing it. Uh, you can only assume that they're doing it because of uh, uh, personal beliefs. Yeah, yeah, I believe so as well. We, I do know, I do know a few emergency room doctors who are gunnies as well. So I'm hoping that they'll be invited as well. I can't imagine they would be because no. this seems like a political play. It does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. All right. I mean, All right. it'd be like, uh, uh, find, find a school teacher who's against guns and make like a school teachers against guns thing. I thought there is makes like as that. much sense. Yeah. Like there's, there's no, uh, expertise there. It, they, they're not experts in the, in the valid uses like that. that that's the thing I guess I could say about the doctors is that some of them may see a couple of, uh, of handgun murders, uh, uh, per year, um, which they might say like, Hey, we've got to stop this, but they wouldn't see the million of million Canadians with restricted firearms licenses who are getting value out of this. Right. They would just yeah. see that they would, they would just be exposed to the very rare they negative would, cases and right. they would never see the, extremely large amount of people who are just having fun shooting handguns at competitions and not uh, uh, right. murdering each other. Maybe they should invite you because you just wrote an article about it. <laughs> yeah. You're more Maybe. of an expert. You, and you've never murdered. And not that I, not that I, <laughs> not that I know of. Come on, keep it accurate. No, I'm not going to yeah. murder anyone, anyone with my handguns. Okay. That would be silly. Right. Why don't we talk about new gun stuff you put in here? What did you put in here? Oh yeah, the ATRS modern sporters are starting to be delivered and completed. So previously there was just the lowers that had gotten out and I've seen a couple of Facebook posts and there's an ATRS modern sporter Facebook group and I can see that lots of people on there are starting to build their guns and complete their guns. So another non-restricted uh, AR variant is out there. 
Perfect. Yeah. Awesome. That's exciting news. You bet. All right. Why don't we get into the main topic? Tonight we have Ryan McLean and Jock Coletta on. Is that correct, Jack? Is that how you pronounce your last name? Just like the drink, Colada. Colada. Awesome. Uh, Ryan and Jack are on tonight to talk about uh, PRS or Precision uh, Rifle Series uh, shooting. Uh, And uh, just for everybody, uh, Ryan is is a friend of the show. He listens and he sends us uh, match updates all the time. He is pro staff for Swarovski and also... Nope. No, I'm a field tech for Swarovski, actually. Oh, sorry. Sorry. And My bad. Also, that's okay. And also a newly sponsored shooter for Kadex as well. He's also the match director for Meaford Steel Challenge, where uh, I've been as well. And then we have Jack. Jack is a former sergeant for the U.S. Marines, and he's also a sponsored shooter for Kadex. And Kalez, right? That's right. Excellent. Right. Welcome to the show, you both of you. Thank you. All right, so uh, we have a lot of people who are interested in PRS, what ex- and they're wanting to know exactly what it is. It's catching on here in Canada. It's quite popular in the U.S., but it's really catching on here in Canada. You guys want to tell us a little bit about it? Ryan, why don't Jack, you go you first? Go first? Okay. Okay. Yeah, I can go first. Whatever. No, it's fine. So uh, the Precision Rifle Series um, is currently pro- one of the premier uh, long-range shooting sanctioning bodies um that's operating at you know tactical type uh precision long-range matches there are other uh series in the united states including the nrl um and some other you know subset groups um that have other series as well um and really what it is is a for to just simplify it as much as possible it's a precision long-range uh shooting competition where the object of the the matches themselves are to try to create a somewhat realistic um, scenario that you may face in a um, practical, tactical type situation. So um, a lot of the obstacles that are used are obstacles that you may run into in, um, you know, a SWAT or law enforcement environment, as well as um, a military combat environment. And most target engagements are targets um, greater than one MOA in size, which is a minute of angle. Um, so roughly one inch per hundred yards. Um, you can do the conversion for uh, our Canadians there, Ryan, if you need to. But um, <laughs> that's, We do that's MOA up here too. <laughs> perfect. So, um, and basically the, the object of it is to put you into... Um, the most unstable positions that you can to try to really um, showcase, you know, the fundamentals of your marksmanship and your ability to build hasty positions and um, get off well-aimed shots, as well as, um, you know, having good kit and, you know, accurate rifle systems, as well as, you know, scopes that allow you to um, make quick elevation and windage changes on the fly um, yeah. to engage those targets. So, um You know, if the Precision Rifle Series itself represents the pinnacle of that, you know, sport, then, you know, beyond that, um, there's different levels, which I'm sure we can, you know, talk about later in the conversation. But sure, that's kind of the PRS in a nutshell from me. Okay. Ryan, do you got anything to add to that as well? Yeah, basically the way I I usually put it is it's um, it's kind of like Ipsic with rifles. Um, Yeah. 
not as not as uh, time sensitive in that you're looking for this fast as possible, but in the aspect that you're you're doing a lot of uh, movement usually from position to position or uh, from target to target, um, and usually the uh, targets are you know engaged from between two fifty and fourteen hundred yards, and uh, you're you uh, in, in generally in a match a one day match you'll shoot between eighty and hundred rounds. In a two-day match, you shoot around 200 rounds. Just kind of give people an idea of how much shooting you can do. Okay. So at the Meaford Long Range Steel Challenge that uh, you had last year, you had various barriers that people were shooting off of the Venatic couch. That people, So you're putting them in really uncomfortable positions, basically, and you're shooting. I think you the longest you shot out to was, what, 800, was it? Uh, no, we had, no, we had a bear at, uh, steel bear at, I believe, I believe it was right around 1250. Okay. All right. So you're testing people. We saw people basically who are beginners right up to um, pros, right? So there's a few different type of classes. I do know that there's um, there's open, there's tactical. Do you want to explain the different classes that are, there are as well? Yeah, for sure. The, uh, so there's three different classes that are uh, in the PRS. There's um, open, which is any caliber you can think of, uh, the, it, if it's going over s- above the speed that's allowed in the TAC division. Um, okay. So TAC division is uh, 223 or 308, and that has a restriction on the uh, bullet weight. I believe it's a 178 going 2,800 feet per second for a 308, and I think it's around 3,000 for a, with a 77 grain out of a 223. So, um, and then if you're above that, you get bumped into open class, and open class is anything from a a six millimeter up to a 30 caliber. Um, so y- you can run a 300 Norma if you want or something very large, 300 wind mag. Um, and the and that's capped with a speed limit of 3,200 feet per second. Uh, the main reason for that is to, um, is to help with the uh, wear on steel. It gets pretty hard okay. on steel if you start going above that speed. Um, besides that, you have production class. Okay. Uh, production class is... Um, any rifle that is a production rifle under two thousand dollars MSRP US, and a tooth up to a two thousand dollar optic as well on that. I believe you can make a few modifications. You can add a muzzle brake, um, but other than that, it's pretty pretty straight basic. out of the box. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there's and there's a lot of companies that have come out this year with with those uh, production level guns. Uh, several came out last year and even more came out this year. So there's a lot, okay. of, a lot of high quality guns out there for $2,000 now. Okay. So can you modify trigger weight or anything? I believe you can adjust your trigger if it's adjustable from the factory. Um, okay. I know a lot of them are, yeah, I know a lot of them are coming with trigger techs, um, but the, basically okay. the, it comes down to, if it's threaded for a muzzle brake, you can put a muzzle brake on it. Other than that, it's, you got to shoot factory. So. Okay. Right. So one of the questions we had from um, Adriel a couple of weeks ago was semi. So if somebody's getting into it, would it be beneficial for them just to shoot what they have, like a semi, or just move over to the bolt action right away? I mean, I think that's an interesting question, and it depends on how you frame it. Because okay, you know, the one thing that I can say to shooters that are out there that are considering, you know, shooting a precision long range match is the best thing you can do is just get out and shoot, you know, like you can spend all the time in the world focusing on having the best kit and, you know, all of the best gear and the best ammo and tuning your loads and and all of that to make the, your system as accurate as possible. But 
The right. reality into getting into precision rifle shooting, if you're not coming through a, a background of that ilk, is to just get out and shoot matches. Mm -hmm. And you will see how addictive this sport is and how passionate you will become by just doing that. And, and through that, you will learn um, the deficiencies that you may have in, in certain pieces of equipment. Mm -hmm. But... I mean, I can tell you, and I, I'm pretty sure Ryan will agree that, you know, there are matches that running a gas gun could be advantageous. However, um, gas guns inherently are, you know, not as accurate as a bolt gun. And, you know, that flyer every once in a while out of a gas gun can do, you know, major damage to your scoring if you're, you know, a, a legitimate competitor in a, in a precision rifle match. But, you know, if you're shooting um, some of the locations that have a lot of movement, um, sometimes gas guns, you know, can do well. Historically, if you look at the data, um, it will show that, you know, it, it's not a, not the best choice. But, if I were talking to someone that were considering shooting a PRS match and they maybe had a large frame AR um, that could stretch out to these distances, um, I would tell them to go and shoot that gun just to see if they, you know, enjoy it before they go and invest the money into, you know, what I believe to be the best rifle system that exists, which is Kdex. Right. Well, what are you both running? We run the same Jack. Yeah, we yeah, we run identical rifles. <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes it easy when you go to a oh. match, one one of your guys' uh, rifles goes down and you just grab the other one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, you I'm, literally can. Yeah, yeah, other other than I'm running a 6mm Creedmoor and uh, Jackson running a 65 Creedmoor. So that's the only difference between the two of ours. Okay. Which one's better? I was just going to ask that. <laughs> They both have their benefits. Uh, the six five can, you know, keep up a little better in the wind when you get further out. Uh, yeah. The six millimeter is a little less recoil, so you can see your uh, your follow for follow up shots a little easier. So I think that's maybe an interesting topic to discuss real quick, especially considering, you know, the who may be listening to the podcast and sure. who may be interested in it. Okay, you know, the evolution of the sport over the last, you know, three to five years has been. If you talk to shooters five years ago, people were trying to build lightweight rifles that were using heavier calibers. So it was very popular, you know, three to five years ago to see guys trying to run, you know, six five Psalms. Um, there were other six five variants that came out, Wildcat cartridges that, you know shot heavier projectiles at speeds close to the speed limit and they're running very the lightest rifles that they could and as the sport has evolved what you're seeing now is kind of a transition to where people are shooting very low recoil cartridges like six creedmoor or six dasher or six xc or you know all the other variants we could go into there with regards to six millimeter and then running heavy rifles um, with the whole premise of that evolution being your ability to make good follow-up shots. Right. Um, you're spotting not only misses, you know, I mean, I think your first step as a shooter in this, you know, field is to be able to spot your misses well. And then your evolution from that is to be able to spot your hits and make corrections even off of subtleties that you notice in your point of impact. 
Um, and if you shoot my rifle versus shooting Ryan's rifle, you will notice that you are able to get on target faster for your follow-up shot with the six millimeter because it's, you know, it's inducing less um, recoil to, you know, change your sight picture or, you know, alter the rifle's position. So it's really interesting that you asked that question because that's really where things are headed. I think if you do an analysis of, you know, the top 100 shooters uh, at the finale this season, I think a huge percentage of them are running six. Right. Hmm. Yeah, that's what I saw as well. Most of them are candidates. And, and if you look at year over year, it's going to be um, the trend. The trend is definitely heading, you know, more and more towards six mil. If you so, look three or four years ago, it'd be very few. Mm-hmm. In terms of uh, in terms of rifles, so we both we know that both you guys run Kadex uh, rifles. Um, what would you guys recommend for someone at a low budget, medium budget, and then high yeah. end budget? I'd say starting at a low end budget, I would uh, I would recommend like a a Ruger RPR, uh, Ruger Precision Rifle, yeah, Ruger Precision Rifle is what they call it, or a, a Bagheera uh, rifle. I think it's a Bagheera HMR. Um, those are kind of your entry level uh, rifles that are designed or have been designed around shooting PRS type of shooting. Okay. Uh, from there, where can you move up to? Um, wouldn't you think maybe mid-level recommendation that would be good, Ryan, would be to run, you know, some sort of, you know, 700 action variant, but then in a Kdex chassis to kind of mitigate some of the the cost there? Yeah, so then, yeah, for, so when you step up to a mid-range, you could look at, like, run, say, a, um, somebody... Strike. Yeah, built or somebody building a rifle off of a, a Remington 700 action with a custom barrel, um, you're going to be kind of going up into the with once you get a Kdex chassis uh, or a stock of your choice. If you prefer stocks, uh, you're going to be running into like the $2,500 range. Um, those other other two rifles around the 14 or 1500 range. Right. Uh, from there, you're really stepping up for um, into factory rifles. Uh, you're going to be stepping up to do a Kdex, uh, like what we're running a CDX R7 uh, comp light style rifle. And those are, oh, I just looked at the pricing actually because somebody was asking. They're right around five thousand right now, and um, you're going to be right around the same also, also to build a custom rifle through a gunsmith. Um, there's several gunsmiths across Canada you can go with uh, that are reputable. Just make sure you do your research on it because there are some that, well, I, I only let a few people touch my rifles. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that seems expensive, but then if, if I think about it, a, a competition pistol like a 2011 is five grand. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm. So, Jack, you were talking about the fact that you can buy. Oh, sorry. We didn't talk about top of the line either. So did you want to? Yeah, top of line. Yeah, top of line is you're getting up into that. Um, like I said, the the comp light from Kdex, for example, uh, which is like I said, around five grand with a folder. I think it's a little bit less without a folder. Um, okay. And you're you're going to be running like a four. It's a four lug action in that, so it's very fast uh, with a Bartline barrel on them. It's a pretty sweet rifle. I'm pretty happy with it. I've been I've only been out a couple times shooting. And I've been very impressed uh, so far. Um, what do you get testing. with it? What, what do you get with one of those compared to uh, like a, a Ruger Precision rifle? Like, what's the difference between that that fifteen hundred dollar rifle and the five thousand dollar rifle? Uh, big jump up is in the quality of the machining. Um, okay. 
quality of the finish that you're seeing in the in all the products. Uh, Kadex, I took a tour of the Kadex factory back in December with uh, Ken Thiessen, who's mm-hmm. also on our team. He's from Bullseye London. Yep. And um, I, I was blown away by the facility. They literally do everything in-house from injection moldings to uh, of the plastic, plastic parts to all of the machining is done in-house. They literally bring in the Bartline barrels from the States as a full inch and a quarter blank and machine it down from there. Um, so uh, literally everything is done in the in-house and that's what you're paying for is that quality of control that they have the the amount of CNC machines in that shop is insane <laughs> and they're just going full out all the time uh, you know custom paint booths they have custom paint booth they have set up there as well um, you're paying for a lot of that quality control the the big upgrades are also in the um, the triggers they have a lot better trigger in the in the kdex rifles that, that they actually even build those in-house too which is amazing um, and yeah, it's, 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 yeah, exactly. It, and there's, there's so much you could talk about on this though. Like it, it yeah. where, you know, you, and not to besmirch anyone's name or any of the companies that are out there, because, you know, we've, we've mentioned several manufacturers that build really good quality rifles, but you know, everything that Ryan's alluding to is obviously very important stuff. But I think another thing too, to take into consideration is like just the overall engineering and, um, everything that's put into a rifle you know if a lot of people will ask me at matches you know because there are less expensive options out there than kdex um, Mm -hmm. they'll ask me questions about them and you know a lot of times all it takes is simply putting the rifle in their hands and allowing them to manipulate the bolt and to actually look at the rifle next to whatever other ones that they're considering and you can see the difference now it, it, there's there's a lot that's beyond that you know a lot of the points that ryan's talking about but even down to things as simple as you know recoil impulse you know kdex is has a team of engineers that are just phenomenal with being able to understand how recoil works being able to engineer a chassis that's going to create the best um direction of the recoil and allow the shooter to feel at one with the rifle um, to be able to place well-aimed shots and those are things that even if I hand you the rifle you're not going to get to see so I can remember as a really good example you know even before Ryan came on board the team you know and I'm super happy to have him as a teammate because I think he's just a, a wonderful guy but he was asking me about you know the, the four lug action because a lot of people are concerned on that you know they're used to running two lug or maybe three lug actions and they're they're concerned about bolt lift and you know with the kdex four lug action you're talking about a 50 degree throw i mean you're only moving that bolt 50 degrees to make you know to disengage and be able to to move the bolt to the rear and then come forward and cocking and everything and people are 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 concerned about that but if you get behind the rifle and you manipulate it you're blown away and you know what happens to people a lot of times is they sit and they look online at pricing and things like that but they're not actually getting an opportunity to shoot it and to look at it you know in person you know they're reading articles and they're reading other people's reviews and you know i would challenge people to get out there regardless of what you're looking at you know whether it's a kdex or something else and actually get out there and shoot it because the proof's in the pudding you know when you get behind the rifle and you actually manipulate it and you throw it up on barricades and you you know do the things that we do to these rifles 
that's when you see the difference. And, you know, the difference beyond the points that we just made are also the fact that the durability of the rifles, you know, the abilities for these rifles to take a fall, you know, get knocked over, get kicked over, fall off rocks, things like that. Those, that's where you see the differences in quality too. You know, some of the other rifle systems that we talked about, you're going to get a good rifle here and there from them, but the consistency of quality and the durability of the rifle is where the more expensive manufacturers are going to shine. Right. Because you're, you're gonna you're gonna see that. I also think that with Kadex, you're going to get a rifle that's fitted can be more fitted to you as well, basically with the the chassis that they have. So Correct. that's what I, that's what I saw when I when I was um, looking at them at Meaford. Did you get you a know, chance to shoot? Did you get a chance to shoot them, Kelly? Or no, I was too busy ROing the stage. <laughs> <laughs> but Sorry. yeah, handling okay, them well, there is nice. Yeah, next year I'll go. I'll give you a break, and you can go over and shoot right. them. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so kind. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't heard of a four lug action before. I've heard of two and, and three, and I've heard of the you know the Weatherbees with their I don't know nine lugs or whatever they have on the Mark Fives. This is really interesting. So it's got like mm-hmm. a four lugs all around the circumference of this thing. So yeah, I guess uh, uh, less bolt lift and uh, faster to use. Mm. Yes, yeah, for sure, and they the treatment they put on the bolt as well is uh, is very slick, um, and it helps with that that manipulation and speed as well. And the um, the four lug is it's nice. I I, I was skeptical skeptical at first because uh, they do offer a three lug as well, and I've ran three lugs in the past, and I was happy with the product, but I wasn't ecstatic about it. Um, and I know that. Uh, Kadex went to release the, the the R7 and then decided to 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 really look at it again and, and they you know make sure when they put out a product it is perfect or very close to perfect in my opinion the engineers they have there are geniuses <laughs> they, they the stuff that they come up with and, and think outside the box is is pretty amazing um you know the products I've seen them you know in the pipeline is like just how did you think of that man wow. so well, you guys are... know, go ahead go ahead I was going to say, and I know Jack agrees too, like some of the stuff we've seen is just incredible. Yeah. So, Well, what I was going to say is that you both are great brand ambassadors. It sounds like you really, really enjoy shooting KDEX. So that's great. Thanks. Yep. Well, I mean, we enjoy shooting KDEX, but, you know, for us, it's all about the growth of the sport. You know, as much as I love my sponsors and, you know, mm-hmm. I'm in a position where I'm fortunate enough to be sponsored by companies that even if I were a consumer, I would be, you know, buying that product. And to me, that's the sign of truly who you want to be sponsored by is the person that you're willing to pay full price for, um, as a professional. Um, but with that being said, I mean, there, there are a lot of options out there, but the, the reality is I want to see this sport grow. And I love seeing the, the momentum that this sport has, has garnered in Canada. I mean, I enjoy shooting that match every single season because the Canadians are just so eager to get out there and do what we do. They're so, you know, receptive to taking, you know, advice. Um, And they just are great spirited, you know, competitors. And like I said, you know, not just because I'm sponsored by KDEX, but because I really enjoy coming up to Canada. That's on my, you know, must do list every season is is get up there. Okay. Why do you think that it's becoming so popular in Canada now? 
It's a lot of fun to shoot. <laughs> uh, I shot. I shot my first match. Uh, oh, gee, uh, 2016, I think it was, uh, down in the states. And or sorry, 2015, I shot a one day match in Michigan, and I was addicted yeah. immediately. And uh, anybody else that I know that has shot it has become the same way. Um, the the challenge of hitting these targets at distances in high winds and understanding how the ballistics work and uh, so many more aspects of becoming an excellent rifleman um, in the process is it's a lot of fun and it's like it's a challenge um, up here the majority of the shooting has always been prone shooting yep. uh, for long range it's always been on military bases uh, at, at stationary targets or semi-stationary targets um, and to me, that's great fun. It's it's a lot. I, I've I've done it for years, and I still do it. Uh, but it isn't as is is interesting as this activity, <laughs> as getting out there and shooting and moving and and engaging targets at multiple distances. Yeah, it's a lot um, more fun to shoot off of like a wheelbarrow or a yeah. step ladder <laughs> than uh, than off a bench. <laughs> yes, yeah, precisely. Well, no, the reality is, I mean, I know Ryan and and Chris, you know, have to really put in a more prone stages than um, we might normally have in the United States because of the fact that you know it. We we want to make sure that people that are coming out and shooting matches are getting impacts. I mean, the addictive part of the sport is hearing that impact you know when you get the when you know you hit a target and obviously hitting the hearing the report of the steel when you hit a target as well but you know so ryan and chris at their matches because the conditions there are generally difficult um compared to the matches that we shoot in the united states i mean i would say that the canadian match at meatford offers you know high level challenge uh, Mm -hmm. with regards to conditions in comparison to what we have a lot of times in the United States. And there's two factors that play into that. Number one, the wind that you get there coming off the bay is factor number one. Number two, the fact that you're shooting in really high grass, um, where there's generally very little opportunity to see misses. So it frustrates a lot of shooters when you send rounds down range and you know you missed because you didn't hit the target, but you have no idea where the round went because you can't make adjustments. And, you know, if you shoot another facility where you're shooting in a very challenging position, but you've got a huge berm behind the target and you know that you were three feet left, you can make an adjustment. Whereas at the Meaford match, you know, it's very difficult to do that. Um, So they add a lot of prone stages in comparison, but I mean, an average precision rifle series match, you are shooting very few stages prone with the exception of extended long-range PRS matches, which, you know, one of my favorite matches to shoot in the United States is a match that's at Q Creek, okay. um, which I believe this season is going to be an NRL match. No, it's actually, that, it's actually neither, Jack. Oh, really? Yeah. So it, they're still having it, but it's not yes. going to be... Okay. And that match is outstanding because there you shoot, you know, the average target distance is like... 1300 yards and you shoot out to 2200 yards all right so um it's just an and in that match you do shoot a lot prone because there's so many other variables when you get out to those distances and you have rounds that are going you know transonic and the 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 difficulty of the ballistics becomes exceedingly more challenging when you start getting out you know at distances greater than a mile um so 
with that being said, you know, we talked a little earlier about IPSC, but with rifles, you know, the difference in this sport where I think it's interesting and why it gains so much um, traction is that it's a, it's a sport where there's a lot of intellect involved, not Uh just um, the fundamentals of shooting. You know, if you're a good pistol shooter, repetition can make you better, right? With precision rifle shooting, repetition makes you better, but repetition doesn't also prepare you for all of the ballistics that you have to learn and all of the other layers of shooting at distance that come into play versus, you know, just understanding marksmanship itself. Right. Um, So that's what the dynamic there. I think it's a lot more dependent on having you know, good ballistic calculations, understanding, you know, muzzle velocity and how it affects the the flight of your bullet and different ballistic coefficients of drag and, you know, all the variables that are there, temperatures and air densities and everything um, that we have to take into consideration that sometimes it can seem overwhelming, but when you learn it and you have the right pieces of kit, it, it can make that a very simple job. Well, that's yeah. my next question. So we're going to go, how do people prepare for events? Like what equipment do they need? Like people always talk about the game changers can, and you know, right. like I, what, I what do they need? I can simplify it to this. Okay. If you have a rifle that is capable of shooting sub minute groups. Mm-hmm. Okay. So groups smaller than one inch, you need to also have, ballistic data i would recommend at a minimum having you know a, a kestrel um that's going to give you you know with the applied ballistics and then having a game changer if you have those three pieces of kit you can pretty much shoot a match where can and, i buy one of those game changers yeah can you explain <laughs> what, it, what that is <laughs> so, so, so game, game changer, changer yeah go ahead is go ahead, Jack. a bag that was designed by clifton reeser um, who actually it's built by a, another sponsor of mine who is the best bag manufacturer in the industry as far as I'm concerned. That's Armageddon gear. So how you would get a game changer, and now there's different iterations of that. There's the OG game changer that's, you know, there's a waxed canvas version. There's different fills. Yep. There's now a smaller sized one. And basically what the design of the game changer is, is it's a bag that creates a V on the bottom and gives you like a flat surface on the top. And what that allows you to do is use one bag in a multitude of scenarios with varying thicknesses of objects. So whether you're shooting off a regular barricade, which is, you know, a two by four on its side, or you're shooting off a set of stairs, or you're shooting off of a fence post or a cow gate or whatever, the game changer has the ability to adjust um, to kind of create a flat surface for you to shoot off of um, without being fixed flat itself, meaning like a hard object. But what's something like this, about- something that you can like pop it on something and you can kind of strap it to your rifle on the top kind of a thing? Yeah, that is, that's very similar, what you're holding right there. Cool. Yeah, um, that's the yeah, same so- idea. Yeah, and you can also use it inverted and put the rear, you know, the, the buttstock of the rifle um, into it to use it as a rear bag. Um, 
there's just so much you can do. And you, and it's interesting when you watch the game changer in use because, you know, some shooters do strap it to the rifle. Other rifle, other companies have come up with different interfaces that make it where you can, you know, bolt it onto the Arca type rail on the bottom of the rifle and slide it around and not have it move. Other people prefer to, you know, have the game changer be free floating so they can kind of like lift the rifle up and place it back down on top. Um, there's, there's many different ways that it can be utilized, but it's a must have in your, in your kit. Um, as far as I'm concerned to be able to shoot because it's so dynamic, you can use it inverted, you can use it on its side, you can use it, you know, in its typical orientation with the pointed portions down. Um, it's, it's just, it literally is a game changer. I mean, the bag, the, the name couldn't be more perfect because it really is, um, with regards to bags, it, it is a game changer and game it is something changer. that you have to have. And like I said, Ryan, I mean, do you disagree that if you got out there with a minute of angle or less rifle, good ammo, you know, a bipod that's legit, yeah. um, a scope that you can adjust the turrets on, obviously, I'm taking some of these things for granted, but those things, and then outside of that, you have a game changer and a Kestrel, and you can go out there and shoot a match. Yeah, I wouldn't. I, like, I wouldn't even say if you're going to be getting into it, you don't even need to go to a Kestrel yet. There's lots of good quality apps on you can pick up for your phone, even to run those ballistics off of. If you have good data, that you can put in off off of a chronograph. Uh, you should be in good shape to get your your uh, to get your your ballistics to go shoot a match. Um, I know that the the Hornady Ford DAF or Ford DAF is a good app. Uh, I run Applied Ballistics as well, and um, uh, ballistic arc is the other one I've tried, I've used as well. Uh, I, I have a Kestrel myself now because <laughs> it is just easier. Yeah. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I agree that if you had to go, if you needed, we'll say three things that are outside the norm of your standard rifle shooting at your local range, it's going to be a game changer or, or, or a bag of that sort. Um, a, a ballistic app or Kestrel and a, a solid uh, solid backpack to carry all your gear because you tend to have a lot of gear by the time you're done packing all this stuff up with all your ammo and rain gear and so on. Um, you can, you know, anything from a standard backpack to like an Everly stock pack. That's that's what I like to use right now. So, so I have a question for you. All right. Aaron Hip, John Pinch, you, Jack, also Ryan. What makes you guys such great competitors? Are you... I see that you're very competitive amongst yourself, but you also, for example, you'll, you'll call if you need to change your dope or something like that. So you'll swap for each other as well. So, but I also saw when, again, we're talking about Meaford, saw a difference between people who regularly shoot it, especially the Americans where they were, it was a time stage, maybe it was 60 seconds. They'd finish it in 25 where everybody else was timing out. What makes them so special or what makes them so effective at shooting a PRS? Jack, you want to go first? I mean, yeah, I mean, the, be- the best thing I can tell you is is repetition. Practice. I mean, it's, practice makes perfect. I mean, you know, you, you create your own luck. You, you know, the more time you spend behind the rifle. And, you know, a lot of people get caught up in that and they think, oh, I can't go out there and shoot because I can't afford the ammo, you know, to, to put rounds down range. The reality of shooting this game is placing well-aimed shots where you intend for them to go. And you can practice doing that by dry firing yep. you don't have to go out there and send one round down range in order to get practice so that's not a valid excuse you know to me if someone's telling me why they can't shoot precision rifle because 
you know, I'm embarrassed to say this, but it's reality. I have, you know, kids that are competitive athletes that keep me, you know, constantly running around 24 seven. In fact, my 11 year old is competing in the international Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Federation world championship next weekend and at 11 years old and you know I'm just always on the fly with my kids and I don't get a chance to shoot very often but my practice is really shooting matches but I will tell you that any chance I get I cannot even go to the range and get trigger time in by just dry firing and one of our teammates Dominic actually has a new dry fire system that's very affordable that I have and it is an absolute you know, necessity if okay. you don't have the option of getting to a range and you want to practice dry firing. Cause if you're honest with yourself and you squeeze that trigger and you know, the, the hammer goes forward and you, you know, theoretically send a round down range and you're honest with yourself on where that reticle was when that happened, you are going to get better by building, you know, with building your positions and your trigger control and your breathing and your, body alignment and sight picture and all those things by dry firing because you see things that you won't see when you're really, you know, shooting too, you know, because you've got the, the report of the rifle and the recoil coming through and all of that, that just distracts your mind. Whereas when you get behind that rifle and you look through that reticle and you dry fire, it doesn't lie. You see where that rifle was when it clicked. All right. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, for myself, I, I do a lot of dry fire in the winter time because, well, there's three feet of snow outside and I can't get up to my range. So, um, and, and before, I used to use just little pieces of paper on the wall, uh, yeah. the scale to the size of the target. Um, what we put on the end of our scope, uh, it allow it's a, a lens that allows your scope to focus down to about ten or twelve feet, um, and you can utilize the scope inside then in your basement. And that was boring, very boring. I found it hard to do, but I, I still tried to do as much as I could. Now what we have is the um, is the uh, training aid from Dom, and uh, it's it's great because it allows you to go and it's it has a situation where it's actually a picture of the range, and the um, just one second, my daughter's sick. Uh oh. Are you good? No. Oh, you good? <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I mean, like dry oh. fire is uh, really useful in IPSC, and and uh, a lot of guys will, uh, you know, get the get the little IPSC uh, uh, classic targets and and put them around their you know their room to to kind of shoot to dry fire at uh, a right. similar kind of idea, right? But I guess with uh, with long range, you've got that additional problem of you've got a scope that's uh, got massive magnification on it that is made to focus out on something that's like eight hundred yards away, not five <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so sorry uh, i'll just i lost my train of thought there for a second but yeah so essentially his target is a as a poster stand that has a, a, a range it's actually at the valcarche range in quebec city and on that range he has a whole bunch of targets laid out across it uh at different um sizes and then you can what scaled. i do is i yeah, yeah it's, they're scaled and so i just set a, a target uh distance to each one and then it allows me to dial and or do work on my holds, practice, you know, and uh, you put different scenarios together of, um, you know, say that, it's, that you have a half a mile hour, you know, a two mile hour wind or a six mile an hour wind and you decide how you have to hold for your wind on those things. Um, 
the big thing I, I've seen with a lot of shooters, high shooters or um, high quality shooters and high ranking shooters is the uh, speed that they can build these positions to get their shots off. The, the faster you can build a solid position, the more time you have to take a good shot. Right. And so if you have that extra, you know, half a second to uh, establish what the wind is or if the wind's changed between positions or between shots even, mm-hmm. it allows you to, uh, you know, get that many more hits on steel, and that's what counts, right? right. Um, and it just it adds up to good quality shooters and uh, good placings in your, in your matches. So. Right. Well, speaking of matches... Great segue, by the way. Let's talk about some of the matches that are going to be coming up here in Canada. So, uh, Ryan, you have a one-day match, or it's not really a one-day match. It's like almost like a seminar. Uh, so yeah, I've got yeah. So we've got a bunch of stuff going on this year. It's going to be a yeah, busy a year right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess I'll start from the the two-day matches I'm going to be running this year. Okay. Uh, that are two-day PRS-sanctioned matches. There's our, our one we've been out running for the last, uh, this will be the fourth year, okay. fourth year in Meaford. Yep. Uh, and it's going to be on September 7th weekend, I believe it is. Let me just double check. Um, yeah, sorry. Uh, it starts on September 6th, which is the Friday for sight-in, and then 7th and 8th is the match. Uh, then that's in Meaford in September. And then I'm also, I teamed up with uh, Rob Furlong from the uh, Rob Furlong Marksmanship uh, Academy out in Hannah, Alberta. Uh, and we're going to be running a two-day sanctioned PRS match out there. It's, it's the first sanctioned two-day out in, in uh, Western um, Canada, and that's going to be on the 12th to the 14th of July. And so that's um, that's pretty exciting. Uh, Rob's got a pretty cool facility out there. It's, I believe, it's ten kilometers by ten kilometers square. I, I asked him. I said, like, how far can we shoot? He's basically said, as far as you can see, you can shoot. So, it, yeah, it's it's pretty incredible. Uh, I'm gonna be going out in the, the late April and hope to do a little bit of shooting myself while I'm out there. So, um, so that's those are my two big two day matches that we're gonna be running this year. Um, besides that, I've got five matches I'll be running in Petawawa right. uh, with the Petawawa Gun Club. Morgan there, the president, uh, he's a great guy to work with. And um, we're allowed to shoot steel on the range because it's a D&D range. So um, it's, a, it's really handy that way. Um, so I got matches c- coming up in basically from March until June. I got a, a match every month. And then uh, the finale is going to be in October um, to, to, for the f- last of the year. So uh, March 30th, uh, April 20th, May 11th, uh, June 15th and 16th, and October uh, 19th and 20th. So the two-day... Is there a central uh, place that someone can yeah, go to, to find yeah, all these exactly. PRS matches? Yeah, for sure. So the, the best place is look it up on Facebook. Um, okay. The Petawawa PRS uh, Club Series is the on Facebook. You'll find it under there for the Petawawa matches. Um, the Alberta match is the uh, Canadian Sharpshooter Classic. And the Meaford match is the uh, Meaford Long Range Steel Challenge. Do you want to tell us about the East Elgin one that you got going on too? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so Ken Ken Thiessen from uh, Bullseye London, he's uh, my shooting partner, and uh, we've been shooting together for quite a few years. And uh, we're going to be running a intro to PRS, uh, just a one day in class um, seminar. They're running basically going to be going through um, essential equipment. Uh, getting prepared for a match, uh, looking at um, your, so a little bit of wind reading and, and building positions and kind of working on the basics for getting into PRS. 
is Perfect. what we're doing there. So uh, with that one, they can find that on the East Elgin Sportsman Association's Facebook page. You can find a, a link on there. And if you go or the, the um, registration for that's on practice score. So if they just look up uh, East Elgin Sportsman Association, it should come up as PRS intro clinic. Okay. Very cool. Well, and another, another point that I want to make too, guys, is that, okay. you know, we, we're all North American and although it's very challenging for us to come to Canada from the United States, cause you have to have an invitation letter and, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's much more challenging. I would like Ryan to talk for a minute because I, I do get a chance to shoot with him in the United States, which I will next month as well. And I'd like for him to talk for a brief moment about, you know, people that live in our Canadian shooters that live close to the border, realizing that the only options aren't Canadian matches because actually coming to the United States from Canada is not a terribly challenging endeavor. Uh-huh. Um, would you it's agree actually, with that? It's actually, it's actually easier in my opinion. Um, yeah, it is. yeah. yeah. It uh, is. yeah. So you do, you have to go on the, uh, ATF website and get a six NIA form. It's called, um, mm-hmm. make sure you have the, up, the updated one. I didn't have the updated one when I just redo and redoed mine. So I had to renew it again. But anyway, uh, you send that in usually two to six weeks later, you get it back and you're good to go. Uh, essentially you just need a invite letter from the match. Just make sure you're crossing the border a little easier. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I find as much, if you can carry as much information as you can say, uh, match location, hotel reservations, so on and so forth. It makes your life a lot faster when you go through the border. Um, I'm going to say it's about 50, 50. when we get pulled in half the time, usually when we get pulled in out of that time, they, they more they just, just want to look at the guns. That, you got that's it. What exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they want, they're curious about the rifles. We get questions yeah. about our scopes and so on and so forth. So, um, I, yeah, it's, that's really, it's, they're, it's super they're generally simple. more fun, curious questions than it yeah. is like you getting grilled, you know, like it, it's not, it's not the scary monster that people think it is going across, you know, and I, that's my whole point is just to make sure that people realize that, you know, although it's crossing borders, it's really not that, ch- not that difficult. And, you know, very few people have problems. So right. just don't, you know, don't forget about the matches that are just across the border. Either way, you know, if you're, you right. know, if you're an American shooter thinking about shooting, you know, going to Canada is not, you know, not the worst thing in the world to, to, to get in across. You know, I, my recommendation to the U.S. shooters is on your way into Canada, stop in the United States to declare your weapons on your way out. Yep. Uh, it makes getting back much easier. Um, but again, you know, our countries are very friendly with one another and, um, it, it's, it's not, it's not bad. It's, it's actually pretty painless. Sweet. So anything else that you would like to add? You want to talk about sponsorship? Um, I mean, obviously we've talked a lot about the people that, you know, we believe in and, and the mm-hmm. products that we believe in. I mean, um, KDEX, you know, we talked a lot about the weapon systems, you know, combat proven, you know, the one thing that, that I love about KDEX in comparison to many other precision rifle series um, rifle systems is that they're a combat proven weapon system that's not just built for competition. And that speaks volumes to me as far as the durability of the system, the longevity, the quality, um, all of that. Um, aside from that, you know, obviously we talked about Collis. Um, you know, if you're in the market for 
the best scopes that are available for precision rifle shooting. You know, it needs to be at the top of your list of ones to look through. Like I said, you know, scopes are, are similar to rifles that there's something that you really need to get your hands on. You need to run the scope, turn the turrets, you know, look through them, make sure you find a reticle that you can understand um, that's going to be quick for you. And, you know, we talked about Game Changer and Armageddon gear. And, you know, obviously having the Game Changer is a super important part of your kit, but there's many other bags that can be useful. And, you know, there's a lot of lightweight options that can clip easily to your packs. Um, you know, if you want to be competitive and you don't have time to hand load, I'm actually also sponsored by Nexus Ammunition. Um, they build ammunition that is match worthy that, um, you know, you don't have to break the bank to get and you don't have to spend countless hours behind a reloading bench. Um, a lot of guys, you know, get caught up in that and it's a fun thing to do. But if you just want to be able to get out and shoot, there are, you know, match worthy ammo that's, that, that exists from companies like Nexus um, that are out there. So, um, you know, I think going full circle with the conversation, you know, the, the main thing that we should get out there to people that are considering doing this is, you know, don't be afraid. Take that leap of faith get out there and do some shooting. Um, you will never have more fun in your life than you will, you know, out shooting these, these, uh, precision rifle type matches. And, uh, you know, just always be a student of the game. You know, the most important thing for me is I keep a list of stuff that I want to make sure that I, that I don't do again, you know, all the, the stupid mistakes that I've made throughout the years. Um, and we all make them, you know, no matter how long we've done this and, you know, I, I've come to Canada the last three seasons and, you know, finished top five um, the first two. And I don't even remember where I finished last year, but, you know, it, it was it was it's just getting out there and shooting and, and having fun is what it's all about. And the one thing that I can say, too, about this industry that I love in comparison to Ipsic and all the other, you know, shooting bodies that are out there is you will not find a group of people that are more supportive, willing to loan you pieces of kit, uh, share with you data, help you to shoot stages yep. than you will in precision rifle shooting. It, it is unparalleled in any other organization as far as I'm concerned. And I've been around a lot of them. And, you know, I'm sure those of you, if you've attended, and I know you have, but you will see that there isn't the cutthroat uh, mentality that there is in a lot of the other competitive series where people are just in the, in it for themselves. I think people generally, um, want to see this sport grow and are willing to share. And I think that's very different than mm -hmm. a lot of the other right. options that exist. Ryan, do you have anything else you want to add? Yeah, that's pretty much exactly what I was going to say, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, definitely. Uh, you know, it's, it's definitely a very welcoming group of people that we shoot with. Um, if you want to get out and just try it, just come out with anything you have for a rifle. Um, it helps if you have a detachable mag, but you don't need one. Yeah. You know, it help it helps a lot if you have a, a second or first focal plane scope, um, so that you can use your reticle. But you don't absolutely have to have one. You know, don't believe that you need to go and have a four thousand dollar rig to come shoot your first match, especially these one day matches that I'm running up in Petawawa. 
they're designed to get new shooters out, right? Uh, okay. We're going to be coaching people on the line. You know, if you're having problems, we're going to be helping you out. If you're missing targets, we'll help you out. Um, and it work help you work on your positions, where you need to put your hands at, what you know, what knee I need to put up, and so on, and get square behind your rifle, and so on, like that. Um, these everybody, like Jack said, is out there to make the growth, have the sport grow, and it, they want to make it bigger and bring more people into it because they know how great of a sport it is and what how much fun it is to shoot long range uh, with these rifles. Um, you know. And going back to like, if you, if you don't want to shoot center fire, go out and shoot some rim fire. Uh, rim fire is a blast to shoot uh, for long range. Uh, we've shot rim fire out to 300 plus meters and it's a, it's a pile of fun, uh-huh. you know, and it's a challenge too, because it just does some crazy stuff when it gets out past two or two, two fifty. So, um, and the same fundamentals apply. You just don't have the recoil you're dealing with then. Um, I, like I said, it, it, and Rick is, he's, Rick has a pile of different matches going on right now yep. all across Canada. Um, and I, I highly recommend getting out and they're cheap to shoot. <laughs> you yeah. know? Very much. Yeah. Well, no. And the so. beauty is if you go out and shoot rimfire, that's as close as you can get to six dasher without actually running. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jack. Yeah. That's all my six dasher friends that are out there. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a ribbing. <laughs> all right. Well, Thank you very much, both of you, for coming on tonight and uh, some really interesting stuff that you shared. And also for being great at brand ambassadors for KDEX, but also for the sport. I hope it it really is catching on and uh, it's exciting to see it grow here in Canada. So I just wanted to say thank you very much for both coming on. Thanks for having thank us. Thank you very much for having us. It was our pleasure. And thanks again to Ryan and Jack for coming on. It was great to speak with you. Lots of great information uh, from everybody. And one of the things that, uh, as uh, Jack and Ryan were, were leaving, they said, if you're interested, you don't even have to invest any money into PRS shooting. If you want to try it out or if you want to actually go and check it out, volunteer at one of these matches, especially the ones at Meaford. That's how... I got a little interested into it, uh, or Rob, uh, the Rob Furlong, just uh, just go and RO a match. You'll learn lots and lots there, and you'll see mm-hmm. the excitement around it and, and why it's so fun to shoot as well. So I'm you- hoping that I can shoot this Rimfire match and I can get squatted with some like super great shooter and just steal all the ideas and steal all the yeah. like techniques and all that kind of stuff off them. I hope it's not just uh, me and a bunch of other people who don't know what they're doing. Uh, because then I won't learn anything from my first match. Well, what you do is you don't shoot first, and you learn off the first guy what not to do. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, ideally, you never shoot first in the, in yeah, the shooting you, order. You rotate, but don't shoot first. Mm, Just learn. Mm. Okay. I'll arrange it so uh, when my name gets called, I'm, I'm in the bathroom or something like that. That's good planning. Yeah. All right. Listener feedback is sponsored by... Armory DC Gunsmith. It's a full service gunsmith who specializes in firearms refinishing. He offers hot gluing, parkerizing, and seracoding finishes as well as wood finishing. Check out his online inventory of new and used guns, firearm accessories, optics, and more at uh, dcgunsmith.ca. Or you can follow him on Facebook and it's uh, Armory, spelled the French way, DC Gunsmith. Why don't you actually... uh, I'm just, I'm just looking at the YouTube uh, comments just to see if oh, we're, we um, yeah, if we're missing anything off of there. 
Uh, Shane was saying he regrets buying his uh, Savage 10 FCP in 308. He regrets not getting it in 6 or 6.5. But the nice thing about the Savages is that you can get a prefit barrel in there and spin one off and put another one on, right? Yep. Yep. So uh, use and abuse your 308 barrel or sell it brand new and then spin on a 6.5 or a 6 Creedmoor on there. Perfect. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. I think, okay, we answered that. Sorry, I'm just going through and making sure that we've answered all the questions. One person was saying that my hunt fix only has four episodes and wild TV is up to episode six or seven. Now, uh, wild TV has an app. So if you're subscribed to wild TV, they have an app. Right. You can just watch them all on there. Uh, 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 one person was saying that the MREs have like uh, the energy bars in them have like 300% of your daily recommended sugar intake. Never mind the rest of the pack. Sweet. That's energy. Yeah. Energy that well, you need. I know the Canadian ones come with sugar gummies and it's just like a cube. And, and they, the Canadian, I've, they just, have a uh, hard as rock uh, jerky that you have to like suck on. And like they're, it's basically like charcoal. They're so meant, dehydrated. Yeah. You can make soup out of it if you need to. It's a rival. I want, like, if I want jerky, I want jerky. I don't want to make soup out of it just to make it edible. It's not like these are gourmet meals. Well, some of them are pretty good. I'm not a big fan of the poutine one. The poutine <laughs> one is, uh, it's more like french fry soup yeah than it is poutine uh, but some yeah. of the other stuff was was fantastic i'm hoping some of the stuff in here i i i'm gonna be looking for stuff in here that's not good and i bet you there's gonna be some stuff but yeah okay so if we have any american listeners send them the stuff that's not good so you can try it mm, down the hatch all right i think that's it for our youtube questions okay. i think we've, Sorry, we've been answering them as we've been going along here yeah. we've been typing away and, and just making sure that we're engaging with people so, listener feedback, why don't we start off with Mike H. I'm going to read it because it's short. You get dusted. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome. Hi, Slamfire people. Love the show. This is, by the way, for Mike H. Uh, I was listening to Trevor talk about his brass cleaning and lubrication, uh, lubricating methods. I clean my brass in a wet tumbler and then also separate the pins in a wet separator. Then I rinse the soap off in a colander in the sink. I then shake the brass in the colander and dump it on a towel, then push the pile of brass around in the towel. After that, I dump the brass into a dry tumbler with dry media to dry the brass. I also have uh, flits, is it flits, polish, or new finish car wax in the media. Uh, in the media. Uh, this coats the brass in a light wax and keeps it shiny and also makes the 9mm run through the press nicer. So this is from Mike Gates. She's giving you some, us some feedback on prepping, brass prepping. Someone was telling me, oh, what did I hear about that? They were saying they throw a couple of drops of ballastol in the in the water as they uh, was that Trevor saying that maybe yeah so you don't need to like basically it just flies through the press kind of thing afterwards it just really? gets this like little little bit on there yeah I'm pretty sure that was Trevor saying that. Hmm. okay why don't you take the one from Dustin hey guys it's long I'm sorry <laughs> that's why I, no, I don't mind the long one sometimes you need the length you need the length to to, to tell the story. I do want to start off sending you some love from the West Coast. Like you, we have not been immune to the Arctic vortex here in Vancouver. Oh, this is going to get snarky right away. (laughs) The temperature has dipped below zero at night and even during the day last weekend. Oh, no, zero. Uh, My most recent trip to the range was to shoot my Maple Seed targets 
was indeed a test of my willpower as it was my first time to the range in a year that I could not just wear shorts. So it's been hard for us here too. Yeah. I just wanted you guys to know that we are suffering in solidarity with all you in the East. Am I in the East? I guess, I guess I'm East of Vancouver. You're East of the Rockies. You're the East coast. Mm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I'm writing with a legitimate question for a change. On my trip to shoot my maple seed targets for January, I decided since I was bringing my 1022, they might as well bring along one of my lesser used pistols, the GSG 1911. This is a gun I bought used pretty much exclusively for other people to shoot. As I get to take people across the spectrum to the range from full blown ammo sexual to ammo curious to the odd snowflake and everyone in between. Uh, I bought it, as you can imagine, for new shooters because it is light, has a smaller frame, so it's a bit more manageable for young people or with people with smaller hands. Uh, the frame's this frame is nineteen eleven size, but I guess it, it's thin, right? It's it's it smaller is. than a than a double stack uh, gun, right? And has limited recoil versus any of my other pistols. The issue is the gun has accuracy issues, so it really hasn't been useful beyond just getting them comfortable pulling the trigger on a real gun. And I would pretty much uh, have to move them up to something else right away. And so it bugs me at seven yards. It's shooting about six inches high and it's shooting consistently. So if you aim six inches below your target, it will hit every time. My GSD does this too. And my fix is I'm getting the Dawson precision sights for it. Okay. Hopefully that, that fixes the height over bore. Um, And the other thing that, um, I've heard of is uh, there's an accurizing pack that you can get. Mm-hmm. I think I saw one at select shooting supplies. Okay. There's an accurizing pack of stuff that you can get that comes with a new guide rod, a uh, new plug and a couple of other goodies to kind of keep everything in better alignment. Okay. Um, I, he continues and Trevor, you've seen me shoot a little bit enough to know that I'm well, no, I'm no amazing shooter. I'm not someone completely ignorant of their own abilities who can't tell if it's him or the gun sights in which this case, I'm pretty sure it's the gun. So my question, do any of you have any recommendations I might try before I take this thing to my tool bench? Because let's be honest, it's a $250 gun and I have a Dremel. So one way or another, this problem is probably getting dealt with. Thanks for any insight that you might have your blue haired friend, Dustin PS another quick shout out and thank you to both maple seed and matador arms. Okay, so he won last year, last month's um, Maple Sea Challenge shoot. So he got oh. a Matador Arms pack in it. He got the extended, uh, the extended mag release. So it was awesome. Plus t-shirt, you know, patches and things like that. So mm-hmm. it was awesome. Um, so you have the same problem. So you're changing out the sites. Mine are high to. Uh, it's not why I'm. I'm actually changing out the sites because I don't like the sites it comes mm-hmm. with. They, it comes with these three dot yellowish kind of crappy plastic ones and i'm going to change them out for some like right uh iron back and fiber optic front sights um if i was in his position yeah i might uh i might take a dremel to that thing well with he got a response from trevor trevor's not on here so i'll just Mm. sum up sum up with what trevor said he said it also comes with three three other sites and their the front site is known for that so just go and he bought this use so go and See if you can find the other sites and switch them out. See if it makes a difference. But if you're going to if you're going to buy a new set of sites, maybe if you can't find them anyways, or mm-hmm. Dremel, or Dremel, or Dremel, get in there. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. get after it. Why not? Okay. Thanks, Dustin, as well. Thanks for the shout-out, by the way. Hmm. Uh, this one's from Etienne, or E.T., as we like to call him. It's, he says, hey, guys, just a note to let you know that I've ordered the Heritage MFG Rough Rider Single Action 22 Long Rifle Revolver. Uh, you know, the one with the ugly brass grips. I did say brass, right? Anyway, I totally blame Adriel for enabling me, and the price from I Run Guns was pretty good to boot. Taxes and shipping include this little lead slinger comes out, or taxes and uh, shipping included. Uh, this little lead slinger comes out at $250 Canadian. Not bad. And it is made as it's made in America, or America, as he said. Include, he also included a link uh, to the factory tour that YouTube put out. So maybe we'll put that in the show notes. And he says, cheers. Cool. Uh, for Dustin, the package is the ZRTS GSG 1911-22 Ultimate Performance Package. Uh, Blue Line has them, and I believe Blue Line is somewhere out west, a.k.a. BC. And uh, He's in I BC, so it should be you know, west, next day. Out be. west, yeah. Uh, $95 comes with... Let's see. Full-length guide rod, alignment cone, bushing, spring, and plug. So uh, the uh, the cone that where it comes in there, it comes with a a, a bushing that kind of cones it in there. So it, it should align that barrel perfectly every time when you uh, when you use it. And it doesn't use the screw on the side, which apparently changes the uh, point of impact every time you retorque it down. Okay. I might buy one. Let us know how you, how you like it. But then, like, you realize w- between that $100 and the site's about $100. It's, uh, it's against it's, $250. It's getting pricey. It's getting pricey. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're really $350. But, like, right. maybe he got his a while ago. I don't know. He said that he got it all taxes in. Or you could get a Rough Rider single action twenty two revolver for $250. Okay. That's another option. Maybe the sites are on for that one. <laughs> Just buy one of those. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. If you would like to email a show, send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Obviously, you know, we'll talk about guns. We'll talk about, you know, Trevor. I don't know. Just let us know. Stuff. Yeah, stuff. All right. Uh, no reviews. So let's just move on to shout outs. Do you got a shout out? Nope. Awesome. I have one. I just wanted to say thank you to the CCFR for featuring us on uh, CCFR Downrange. Exciting stuff to people. We're in everything. Can I do Trevor's one? Okay. I'm going to do Trevor's shout out. Trevor has a shout out to Jeremy Kane. Hope your dad gets well soon. Yeah. Actually, I, I let's see if we can get an update on that. I wonder how he's doing. Mm-hmm. Patreon supporters. We have 84 of them. We have new content as well. If you're a Patreon, you will hear from Gallon. We had him on last week. And we also have a new Patreon as well. Kyle W., thanks for thanks for coming out and contributing. So and fun. we've got patches and stickers. Sweet. So, so email us and tell us what your address is so we can get you some patches and stickers. Right. Even if you're per if you haven't received your patches and stickers at all, resend it to us just in case we don't have your address. So mm-hmm. email the show. Email us. Yep. yep. Slamfire radio at gmail.com. That way, Adriel can get the kids to work in, in <laughs> the sweatshop and get them out to you. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm going to do tonight. I got a whole stack of these prepaid envelopes. 
yeah yeah i'm gonna do that tonight so if All you right. email the show and you're watching right now you'll, you'll probably get in the mail tomorrow or something or or or, or something or something week. i don't know yeah all right, please join one of our National Firearms Associations, such as UCFR. Watch your Canada downrange, because maple seeds on there. Also, check us out on Gun Owners of Canada. Like us on Facebook. Uh, I don't know where we are on Facebook, because this isn't updated. But like us anyways. And yeah, that's it for tonight. Later. Good night, everybody. So if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over, it's time to get a gun.